Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. The bad white man calling the devil. The alibi calling eyes like the sky. Cutting for Sign. My name is Ron Cecil, Daniel Penner-Klein. Tuning in from the North Sacramento Valley. <laughs> North Sacramento Calvin. Valley. I'm trying to, we've been, we've been talking about location. The North story Valley. Working on. Is it called the North, the North Valley. Valley? Yeah, North Valley. North Valley. Yeah, so if sure. I'm in, if I'm in the South Valley and I say the North Valley, people know what I'm talking about. You know, what's funny. I don't think the South Valley considers themselves or talks to themselves refers to themselves as the South Valley. I think North Valley is North Valley. And then there is Central Valley, California, uh-huh. but South Valley, I don't, I don't know about that. Is that the Inland Empire? <laughs> what do you mean? What's Have you heard Inland? of the Inland Empire? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. That's what like the east of LA over the mountains oh. calls itself, like Riverside County. Is that like all of the water barons and everything? <laughs> that's a good question. Now well, there's a really, this. yeah, there's a good, um, what's it called? That... Um, drunk history. Have you ever listened? Yeah, yeah. yeah Comedy yeah. Central, I think. Yeah, and they do uh, a, a section, a, an episode on the water barons of yeah. East LA, and probably into those kind of Chinatown and... kind of vibes. The movie, yeah, the movie, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, dude, great, great reference. Absolutely, yeah. exactly. You know, these these fat cats over there hogging all the water and manipulating, puppeting, puppeteering. Have you been to Bishop, California? Uh, No. So Bishop is on Highway 395 or 385, and it's a big climbing destination. That's the only reason I've been there. And it's BLM land and Native American land and very little private land. And the reason why is because you get get into the the eastern side of the Sierras, and there's these signs everywhere. There's water flowing all over these boulders and little creeks and things. And there's these signs everywhere that says this is private property owned by the city of Los Angeles. And it's their headwaters for their water supply. So hundreds of miles away from LA, they've, they've like captured the water rights from back in the thirties and forties. Yes. Yes. It's kind of creepy. It's weird. You know how much of that stuff is going on, you know, like how much of, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I don't think this is conspiracy theory. I'm just curious, you know, about the people who kind of got in early on Things like California, you yeah. know, and and had some early money, adopters of California, you know, and had like had some ambition and maybe a yeah. little shadiness or a lot, and maybe some good intentions, and then they ended up being quite powerful through the decades. I just in the centuries, it's interesting. It's super interesting to me. Maybe Stephen Kuhn is one of those people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned him. We'll ask him. Let's let's fire that off right away. Uh, Stephen Kuhn is a coach and a leader, former, uh, or I guess still is a vet. If you're a former military person, you're always a vet. 
That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. That's what I was thinking too. Dude, that would be fucked up if it like expired. There's a statute of limitations <laughs> on debt vet. Sorry, man. You it's been 25 You're years. Out. You're out. You're expired. You didn't re renew your vet card. <laughs> Got to chuck you into another war. You want to be a vet again. <laughs> yeah. And he uh, wrote a great book called Humble Alpha, uh, which is interesting to me because I was, I was, you and I were having a conversation about our past and, uh, and, and it's a book on masculinity and, and growing into integrity uh, and discipline. And someone had recommended it to me from England. So for a while, I thought this guy was an English fella. Mm. And, and um, so I kind of had this like Regent Street, uh, St. James Street, like three-piece suit kind of fellow in my mind. Um, and that's how I was listening to the book for a long time. It turns out he's American. But I still, I still have associated with the the, the suit. Well, in, in the mind. spirit of the draw, what are you curious about, real quick? Yeah, and yeah. Thanks for bringing me back around that. Uh, you know what I'm looking for is is the conversation you and I have been having for months and months and months, if not for years, is how do we integrate our past? How do we take mm -hmm. what happened to us in the past, our good choices, our bad choices, the things that we chose to do, the things that happened to us, and turn those into fuel and foundation for who we want to become and who Dude, we are. That's a great question. And curious about some specific uh, examples of how he has done that, you know, not just the kind of jargon around that, but, you know, boots on the ground. How did you do that in this situation? And also curious maybe about some, some ways where he's just like, yeah, this, this one thing was hard to accept and integrate and, yeah. and see as positive. Solid, man. All right. Well, let's welcome him in. Stephen Eugene Kuhn, you are co-author of the book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, as well as a decorated United States Army combat veteran, speaker, and consultant who helps individuals improve their quality of life. You run the platform Humble Alpha, which helps businesses and individuals develop influence, create opportunities for more earnings, increase reach, and develop personal growth. Stephen, you believe people's life is about how to fulfill their potential, that all you need to do and act through the consistency, a uh, consistent, conscious application of honest, honesty, integrity, and transparency. All right, welcome to Cutting for Science, Stephen and Olga. <laughs> we got a surprise so guest. Yes, surprise guest. Thank you. So We've much. done seventy-three episodes. This is our first surprise guest. There you go. Look at that. First time for yeah. everything. Welcome, Olga. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Thanks. Perfect. I'm perfect because Steven is next to me. Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's excellent. Nice. That's very sweet. It's maybe this one of the sweetest things said on here. <laughs> so close by. Next time someone says, "How are you guys doing?" I'll go, "I'm doing great." Because Ron's sitting 500 uh, miles from me. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting 500 miles from me. <laughs> I'll accept that. Accepted. <laughs> You know, Stephen, I was telling just telling Daniel that I, um, I've, I've got a friend in England. I used to live there, and he's, um, you know, kind of a what you might call a high street business guy. You know, works in the city, been there a long time. It's been his career, right. and just in passing, he mentioned um, your book, and he said somebody recommended it to me, gave it to me, started reading it, and um, and made a recommendation for me. So. I heard him, you know, I meet as he's telling me about the book, I downloaded it uh, on audio and 
I consume a ton of book on the masculine journey, tons of material around it. I've been doing that for a long time. Um, and I downloaded it with no knowledge of who you were, no knowledge about Stephen Kuhn, no knowledge about your business, but nothing. I, I was go. it was cold, cold, cold. And I was telling Daniel that, uh, I was convinced that you were British for the, you know, oh. as I'm like going into this thing because he's British. Right. And I was just like, I just thought it was there yeah. and you've got a reader. Was that you reading the book or somebody else? Mm-hmm. It was read no, by was, somebody, right? It was somebody else we got from audible. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. So I'm like, well, it's British, but he's not British. And over, you know, over maybe like the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, he's American. Okay. And I had to like reframe every, I had to re- <laughs> completely reframe everything I was going through. Was um, the reader British? No, not at all. Not at all. That's why I was like, even more Ron, confused. You, it took you 10 minutes to figure that one out? <laughs> Step on a little bit. So quick question around the Audible thing that just out of curiosity, since it's a nonfiction book, were you, would you rather have read it yourself? Uh, I tried, uh, but it's, what I've, I, I realized something. I wrote a book in German in 2003, 2004, became a bestseller. And I went around the country and did uh, book readings. And mm-hmm. I speak German like German. Oh. But when I read German, I speak German like an American. Right. For some reason, there's a connection between uh, the brain, the eye, the brain, and the mouth is different than from just brain to mouth. So when I read, it sounds like I'm reading. Oh, and so I couldn't, yeah. I, I tried and it just sounded like I was reading. This guy, I forget what his name is. Yeah. He, he, was, he was fabulous. He just, he just really. I did a great job. Yeah. Walking. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. So we're... I I tried. It didn't work. It's funny. We're working on a, um, an eight part series. Um, Ron and I in the studio down in um, San Anselmo square one studios. And that the final product it's eight, it's eight episodes, but it's going to be a written podcast. So it's not conversational, but it needs to come off conversational to some extent at least. And so part of the skill set is us learning how to read and not just sound like we're reading, but sounding even conversation. It's like one step further, you know, it's going to be an interesting process. It's, it's difficult. You know, I've done courses like, or, or we've done videos like that before where we had, we have like a teleprompter that, that. Yes, exactly. And, and there's actually an app for that and it works really well. Um, and what do you mean an app for it's called teleprompter and you just, you just put the script on it and it scrolls over your screen like this as you're reading cool. it. And so your eyes aren't moving. You're not going back and forth. You're not looking down at your, and really you can add your own gaps to it in space. Yes. And, and so boy, I bet the developer of that app was stoked to get that name. They're like, what is it? It's teleprompter. Is that a name available? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I actually had a guy I, I i did a tv commercial for um american uh, mortgage company and uh they sent a guy over to hungary to film me right or a local guy and he had huh. that app on his iphone yeah and then had a reflector had a reflector over the big camera and so he actually used that app for the for the large format cameras as well wow cool the the, the amount of crafty combinations of technical technological advancements when they crash into the crafty specific needs of everyone being creative right now it's crazy this is like there's so much great stuff going on i wanted to come back around your book because it's it brought something up in my mind that daniel and i've been talking about a long time to give you a little background around daniel and i we've been friends for a decade um and we've been particularly close this last couple years uh we've but we've been through a lot of ups and downs together um 
high highs and low lows of going through relationships and jobs and career changes and all those great things. And one of the questions that we've been asking ourselves and discussing, and I'd say might even be one of the found foundational principles of our podcast, um, cutting for sign is, you know, that that title is, is an old tracker phrase, like a hunter for looking for the clue and this footprints for the things that we're after, right? It's a metaphor for how we're growing into who we want to be, finding who we want to be. And one of the things that you say in your book is, um, which I love, is in order to integrate our past, right? And many of us have those things in our past that we don't, that we regret, we feel shame for. We have to, to identify it, number one, right? Then accept it as part of our story and then begin to have gratitude for it. And did I say that correctly? Is that the order? Yeah, yeah you yeah. put it. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, and I, we've, you know, Daniel, I, were, I mean, just, we were working on that podcast you just mentioned last weekend, and this was a big conversation. I, I personally have a difficulty accepting some parts of myself, right? I don't like my inner, my inner asshole. <laughs> like, I don't like the part of me that's judgy and that's uh, mean and uh, difficult. It's there. What, what? I can feel it. What happens when you try to hold a bully back? What happens when you try? Oh, that's to a good question. That's a good you know, question. They push harder, right? It's yeah. the same thing. You don't yeah. accept your inner asshole, like you said. You know, yeah. If you're holding that down, what's that guy? What's that person want to do? They want to get out. So yeah. you just let them out and let yeah. it go and accept it and say, "Yeah, I know you're there," and you'll see that you're not that much of an asshole after all. Yeah. You know, you know I mean, it really, it, it's it's that simple. There, there's a, there's a thing that I, that we preach, and that is um, the three ways to live life: it, receive what's in front of you, whatever it is, good or bad. Decide what you're going to do with that. Make a decision, and let go of everything else that doesn't serve you. You hmm. do that with every situation, man. Life's beautiful. Yeah, I think one thing that we confronted this weekend in a, in a pretty cool way that was enlightening and forwarded the conversation that Ron and I have been having around accepting part of ourselves, parts of ourselves that are difficult and letting them live in the world is when those parts get in the way of people liking us. Um, or at least that we are concerned that those parts would get in the way if they lived of people liking us. And I'm just in a little bit of a place where I'm starting to not care as much if people like me because as something a therapist told me, I have a few relationships in place that are rock solid and those I can be a little bit more that way and not be concerned that it's going to damage the relationship. And also I'll communicate to those people, Hey, you know, I'm in a little place where a little bit of a place like I did this weekend with Ron, where I'm a little bit more going to show my frustration, you know, and then I can show my frustration in front of people who might take that personally and not be quite as concerned about it do you ever speak to that aspect or that part of this we have a a, a big ongoing re- um, conversation when we first met about that um because i was i was like the same way you know i wanted to be that guy that you know uh made everybody and you know elevate everyone keep leave them in a better place yeah. than when i met them yeah. and all this stuff and um and sometimes as you probably experience yourself you you end up um, probably being not in the place that you wanted to be or taken advantage of, at least to a small degree, or um, sometimes not even recognized for what you're actually trying to do. And then that gets to you. You're like, man, that bothers me. Like, why yeah. should I 
Why should it bother yeah. me? Why? You know, uh, because if I'm giving selflessly, I shouldn't have an expectation of anything as a return because the law of reciprocity dictates it's going to come back to me from somewhere anyway. But you were telling me about that. Um, you know, you need to uh, let go of, of what other people think. I mean, she said, we had this conversation. So Olga's Ukrainian, right? We, you know, she lives in Turkey and, and I, I live here with her in Turkey as well and in Hungary. And uh, I was talking to her and, and I said, well, what about, what, what if someone's, you know, she said something. I said, what, what do you, what, do you th what if so-and-so said something? And she was like, listen to me. I don't care. Finished. <laughs> That's my attitude. And I was like, wow, you know, but I'll tell you what, man, um, in the last six months, she's really changed. My whole life has changed hmm. through that attitude. And it's not a harsh attitude. It's right. not like, I don't care. Right. It's, when you care, you change, right? When you worry about what other people think, you change how you're, who you are. And that's not who you are. When you embrace who you truly are, people love you. And those who don't love you, well, they're not going to love you anyway. So right? Olga, can you, can you like speak a little bit to that, um, like that part of you and how it developed or how, you know, just a little bit around that? Yes, I think that really I never actually cared what people uh, <laughs> talking about me or thinking about me. Like for what? My real friends or real people whom I love or who loves me, really, they will be always on my side or support me, elevate me. So I need to be surrounded by such kind of people. If somebody is talking behind my back or I'm hearing, I'm cutting all the relation with that person. And the life, the life is becoming more easier because uh, when, for example, we met with Steven, he is such kind of his general person. He is thinking how to uh, elevate people around him. He did the same thing for his business partners, for women, what he had before me. But what uh, he was getting mostly, this is uh, that didn't appreciate it, didn't value it at all. They were used to use him in some ways. And he was not, not uh, taking even thank you from all this. So for what to do it? So I am thinking that I have to take care uh, about myself and people whom I love and who loves me. So about my family. Is, is that a way that you've always been or is it a way that you've developed or a combination of those two? I think combination for sure, because I was working always in uh, big, how to say, big companies, yeah. uh, like directors, regional director and so on. And always there were people who were telling why she got this position or why she got uh, this best district or why, 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 what she's doing, how it happened. So if I will pay attention or on such kind of things, I will never be on the place where I am now. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's well said. It's so too. simple, right? Yeah. It's so simple, you know? Yeah. Well, when it starts to click, though, which, I, again, for me, like, this is up now, you know? It feels yeah, like you're being a jerk too. when you're like, I don't really care if this person is offended. You know, I know my heart, and the people who know me know my heart, and and I will be accountable, too, if I step over or go too far. And it won't be, it's not a, you know, a, what do they say? act and then apologize later it's not one of those it's just it's just hey people i'm involved with like 
we're animals. We've got a lot of, 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 uh, emotion. There's a lot going on in this environment. And if you, if someone's frustrated, I personally would rather that person voice their frustration, be frustrated and tell me rather than it, it being unexpressed and then coming out later, because when it comes out later, in my experience, it's not good. And, and that's exactly right. I think, um, if we look at what I, I swear about that too, like the outcome, like what's, what are they thinking? How they, but now totally. I say, what's my intention? Nice. That's what, I base, that's what I base my judgment on now. If yeah. I have any is what was my intention in the first place? And if they don't want to receive it the way that I intended it, that's their choice. Yeah. Right. And that's the way I have to see it. And it happened with a business partner um, that I was, I was appeasing this person. Mm -hmm. Right. So, okay. I understand. Okay. I know they, they want to do their thing. So let me, let me do, let, you know, let me just let me go. But it wasn't in congruency with the way I wanted to do things, but I let it go because I figured, okay, you know, let's see what they can do. And uh, as soon as I stopped doing that after meeting Olga, um, things fall in line and this person is completely different now and actually doesn't give smart ass answers anymore or, mm. you know, it's like this sort of like, well, you know, sort of uh, passive aggressiveness all disappeared because it's just straight, straight up, boom, 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 done, you know, and I'm yeah. not worried about what he thinks or how he is or whatever yeah. else kind of. Yeah. I want to add that for sure it's much more easy to act like this when you have a real uh, partner what is beside you always on your side because a lot of people why they're acting this way trying to be pleased to a lot to a lot of another people because they don't have family or they have family but they don't feel that this is their home they don't feel a real home yeah. They're trying to find some another people where they will be useful and people who will treat them as a family. Yeah. Jeez. You know, yeah. Oh, sorry, Ron, you were going to say something. Man, I mean, that's, that's, that's so solid. I mean, uh, you know, Daniel and I, I, I won't speak for you, Daniel, but I, I know coming out of a, um, a home where, um, you know, a classic story of dad not being around, um, the abandonment stuff, um, uh, not a, a present mother, not a present stepfather, that part of me activated as a young person to, to learn how to please people, to say the right thing, to mirror the things back that gets people to like me. And, and then over time, developing this, this almost like antitrust of people, you know, where I know how to, uh, uh, I know how to act in order to get people to like me, but I never believe that they actually like me. Yeah. I never feel like them actually accepted, even when I'm surrounded by people who are like, hey, dude, we love yeah. you and accept you exactly as you are. Sure. You don't need to keep trying, you know, and I walk yeah. around the earth going, hey, if something I'm doing is bothering you, let me know. Please let me know, because my worst fear is is for it to build up over time. And then and then suddenly I'm rejected but not giving myself the same freedom to say the you same thing. I was just going to say, I was just yeah. going to say, yeah, you know, it's so paradox. And a lot of people do that, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, it's, there's something to be said for allowing yourself just to like, you know what, if this is the way it's going, then this is the way it's probably supposed to go. If I'm conscious of it and I know what's happening in the world around me and yeah. it's still not going the way that I think it would be, well, then maybe it's my issue. Like, it's just me. It's not them. Yeah. You know what I well, mean? That's, so that, and that's when you turn inside. We were talking about happiness comes only from yourself. And like, we don't make each other happy. We make each other happier. My baseline and her baseline happiness are based on our own, you know, yeah. world and, and, and belief systems and, and morals and values and things like that. Um, and we just help each other get happier. But what you're talking about, I think, um, you know, uh, Ron is almost the same thing. 
But mm. the positive side of that is, it's called a chaos kid. There's actually a name for it. The chaos mm. kid is someone who is from a broken family, mother and father weren't around, or one or the other weren't around. And these chaos kids seek love. They seek, right? They seek attention and recognition as a kid. They're looking for it. I was like that. Dad, look at me. Mom, look at me. You know. And just as an example, I played football. I played baseball. I tried basketball and wrestling. I sucked at all of them, but you know, I tried Same. I played all four <laughs> years of high school. And my mother was the only person that ever came to any game. And that was one game in all four years. So mm -hmm. that's an example of how I felt as a guy, you know, I finally made it to first base, um, through being walked right in baseball. And I looked around, there was no one cheering for me. You know, it was, it was that kind of thing. That's better than Ron. He'd get there by getting hit by the pitch. Just like, that's that's exactly. on base. He was like, this game sucks. <laughs> what happened was, is now these chaos kids um, in a very massive, larger proportion are much more successful than people who grew up in intact families. And I know it sounds ridiculous, hmm. but there's actually studies that prove that because us chaos kids looking for attention and recognition, we go out there and we drive business. We go out there and we drive our lives and we're, hmm. we're more aggressive in, in, in attaining those things that we want to attain. So there's a good side to that too, man. Yeah. 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 That's good news. What were you about to say, Daniel? <laughs> oh, um, a little early. Yeah. I um, was just going to say, cause he was speaking to um, uh, w whether or not who, if it was someone else's not, you didn't use the word fault, but I, I just realized that in, in these instances where I am become frustrated about something, I find out later that the thing I'm frustrated about has nothing to do with the person or group of people I'm involved with. It it has to do with something I need to recognize, am recognizing, need to need to address in myself. Like it doesn't. Ron and I had this this weekend where where uh, we had just a, a relatively small conflict with within our our creative group, and and I was like. Yeah, I vented, you know, about the the it's about the aspects of the people we were dealing with and and that were not working for me. And then through that process, I what I landed on even in speaking with him is by the way, you know, it may sound like I have a problem with the this situation. I do not. What I have actually have a problem with is what I'm bringing to the table in, and this had to do with my own preparation and, right. and I've communicated that to the rest of the group and it's all clear, but I just think that it was interesting that in, in being very frustrated ostensibly with other people where I always land is this is something that's within me, my control, my responsibility, always, 100%. man, always. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. We will always get the signals and the triggers from the outside world that are our issues. There you go. Yeah. That's the only reason we get them. It's because they are our issues. They are yeah. our issues. That's why yeah. we see that. It's that mirror. 100%. And it's the same thing. You can actually reverse that. If you ever um, read the book, uh, Reality Transurfing, which is, it's like a 36-hour ebook. It's ridiculous. I mean, uh, audio, audio book. Incredible book. Uh, they, they, they talk about that mirror effect where you can actually switch that up and purposely change the energy of the room positive positively by by projecting your energy instead of just mirroring your frustrations kind of thing so you can huh. flip head. really interesting book yeah because where where i end up landing in these conflicts is actually a place where i need to i probably maybe i don't need to but i feel inclined to take accountability in front of the group 
And isn't that funny? You know, like I'm expressing frustration and then that it, frustration ends up being potentially triggered by other people, but ha- being about me. And then the way I behave ends up needing to, you know, if it was something that was challenging to other people, uh, my behavior was challenging to other people that I actually take accountability for. And then it can actually help bring, um, at least on my end, the group together, you know, and bring like more that's, trust. That's, called, that's, it's, that's called humility. You What's know, that you're again? Humble. You, you, you <laughs> it, didn't catch you that word. <laughs> you, you get it out, you vent it, or whatever you say. You, you, you know, you, you voice your your frustrations, and then you take accountability for it. Accountability yeah. for it. I don't know if that's how that that experience, uh, and not to get in or like personal stuff, you know. But I'm curious, Ron, just with that. Yeah, whole I mean, I, I would say, um, knowing like being on the inside of this conflict. I mean, what we're what we're entering into, Stephen, is is. Um, a very intimate, a creative process together for individuals, and it's intimate because what, number one, the 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 material is is um, true. It's straight out of of uh, Daniel's life. He witnessed uh, a, a terrible tragedy as a young person, and that caused um, a lot of trauma, and so this story that we're working on is part true crime, part mental health journey. And, and so there's that whole thing. Then there's just the, the creative process of everyone needing to be in the right seat, you know, have yeah. the right role, those things overlapping that not working sometimes. Right. Yeah. And watching this guy, Daniel, um, vent his frustration, um, to me, because I'm a safe person. I've, and I've like, you know, kind of made that a thing that I'm uh, available for. Not, not even sure if I consciously did that, but that's just kind of how I've, I've shown up in the world. And then watching you, Daniel, turn around after thinking you're frustrated and you're, and you're going to like pull the pin out of the grenade and like drop it in the room, really step into some, like you've said before, eat crow. And I, and I think there's a difference between humiliation and humility. I think oh, humility yeah. is when you have noticed, and I think you did this right, Daniel, noticed, as Stephen was saying, the triggers or the things that we see reflected in other people. We we see ourselves reflected back to us in other people. Mm-hmm. We see we see in the situation, maybe, maybe it's the dynamic of the situation. We see our part pretty clearly. And I guess that's all we can ever really see is what our, the role that we play in that clearly. Sometimes we can see what's going on in others, but... I was both surprised and and impressed that kind of the way you presented yourself and you you owned your part and owned your own anxiety and fear in that process. It's what we're going through is hard, man. It's really difficult. What we're trying to put together is really difficult. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. And I was su- I'm surprised too because I don't think I've ever had. I'm, I got into a habit of not handling conflict uh, maturely through generally through romantic relationships. And the, the, it's trending opposite, man. Like, I, I'm not going to say, I heard a friend yesterday, they were letting me, they were telling me a little bit about their new relationship. And they said to their new partner, they said, I can't wait to get into conflict with you, you know? <laughs> and she, she, they really meant it because they, they, this person has started to navigate con- conflict in such a way that it builds intimacy and trust. Oh, know? well, welcome to our world, right? Really? So, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we are so transparent about every thought that we have, whether it's 
jealousy, fear of loss, uh, you know, um, just just fear of not being good enough, all these things yeah. that you wouldn't expect from each other. From the very beginning, we've been wide open about it. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a disabled veteran, PTSD. Matter of fact, my therapist appointments after this. Wow. <laughs> um, and I, I have a lot of issues that I'm dealing with, and one of those is that I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. And for her. And I tell her that straight up and she tells me what she thinks and how it goes back. And you know, it doesn't work. Oh, you're good enough for me. I love you. That's, that's not enough. That, yeah. That's not going to change my mind. It's an endless hole, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we discuss this very openly. And if I feel something, I tell her, if she feels something, we tell me, and man, um, they talk about, you know, how do I say this? Um, the makeup part of an argument is the best part of the argument. You know what I mean? Like the people say that making up is the best part. We're during the argument, we're already making up. It's like, we're mm. not arguing we're discussing it wow. so we don't ever let anything get to an argument hmm. how, how do you discuss everything uh, can you tell us a little bit about the ingredients of that and ron i'm curious for you too yeah. you know how that comes up in your personal relationships yeah, or for, for you sure. yeah, yes for example for me it's like first time in my life i'm doing such kind of things hmm. like trying to discuss actually steven teach me this he told from the beginning of our relations let's tell everything to each other each hour thought each hour what we don't like now let's discuss it now because this thing will stay later it will come out later after several weeks years days so it's better to discuss and to finish it now to come to some compromise or agreement about it yeah so it's like first time i'm uh Let's see. Using such a yeah, using techniques like this, and, and I have to say, because of my past experiences, um, you know, it's those, it's that lack of communication around the things that matter to us most, because mm -hmm. we don't want to bother the other person, don't want to yeah. get in an argument, want yeah. all this kind of stuff. Well, That's what we, another person will think. Yeah, or thinking what think another person thing. will think, whatever. We end up hurting ourselves and carrying this freaking baggage around with us, right? And then we're the ones that pop. Right. We, yeah. we pop off after yeah. a while and then suddenly your relationship ends and you're like, what the hell did I do now? You know, and you don't even realize it. So I, I did after these this time and I said, man, and I told her, I said, look, this is going to be a, a new a new way for it for me as well. Mm -hmm. You know, everything, every fear that I have. And I have a lot of fears, every fear that I have, every thought that I have, every thought she has, every fear she has. And you know what's cool about it? Through this process, I don't know how many times a day. We show our love to each other or say, I love you. or I love you so much. We say that hundreds and hundreds of times a day because of this way of communicating. And have you had to, uh, do you consider or have you confronted ever sharing fears that are maybe did not need to be shared or has that not been part of yeah. it? Oh, I've, we've everything. Yeah. Everything. Like, I don't, she said she's never been, met a more vulnerable person. Um, I, I say everything, hmm. every fear, every issue, every, and, and like I said, there's a lot. Do you think that will always continue for you? Or do you think that is like part of the beginning of a relationship? Um, I think we're going to know each other a lot, a lot better. And she'll yeah. see in when something's going on. I'll see in her when something's, we, we already see it. We already see yeah. it. Like her energy changes like that. I know and I'm like, Hey baby, what's wrong? What's going on? Like, it's just instant. And she's like, how do you do that? And I said, cause we're connected. And the only reason we're connected is because we're at the same frequency with our communication. And so I know when she's not doing well, even if she's beside me sleeping, I can feel it if she's doing well or not. When she's on the phone, FaceTime away, I know 
how her energy is and what's going on because of that communication. And I can ask her openly, hey, baby, I see your, your energy is a little bit different today. Are you frustrated? What's going on? And she'll be like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, actually, I am. And then she'll, you know, and she'll just go into it. I'm like, well, then we, we discuss it and we, we solve it. It's, uh, it's pretty magical. How has that worked for you, Ron? In, in your... That's a good question. I think there, um, I, I would say we started our relationship like that. And then over time, I realized that not every issue reading on the outside of my wife needed my attention. I could acknowledge it like, Hey, you need space. You need your, your, you need whatever outlet you need. Uh, but for me in particular, I, I realized I do that. What you just described, Stephen, all the time to everybody around me, I can feel everyone's energy and everyone's, and I take it on as mine, right? Oh. If they're having a bad day, I'm having a bad day. If they're, if they're struggling with something, I'm struggling. And I tend to have an over, um, an obligation, this internal obligation to want to fix that. And I used to be the same. Yeah. And so now at this point, um, you know, I may not even, for me, the challenge is to, to, to not feel like I have to fix something or go into fixing mode or helper mode or something like that. I saw that we, we talked about that this weekend. Yeah. Cause what you, you were like, yeah. Well, Cause I, I oh, you. something and then you were like, and I, and I, it was just literally like, Hey man, I, I you're good. Yeah. I, I just, I just, this is a good situation. There's nothing that needs to be changed about it. And you go, and it was cool. Cause you heard that and you go, Oh, cool. And then you were like able to like, Oh, yeah. so you seem to be in a place where subconscious part aspects of you. I mean, we all are to some extent are now yeah. becoming into the light and you can make choices, conscious choices around them. Would you say that's true? Oh, a hundred percent. And I also know that that I'm safe. I think that before, you know, a lot of what I, the way I was acting was it was a need for safety. Like Olga said earlier, mm. like this, uh, you know, are the people around me safe? So am I safe? And oh. do I need to, you know, continually prove that to myself? And and so a lot of me, um, a lot of my actions now are are under the presupposition that I'm safe. I'm presupposing this, even though my nervous right. system doesn't feel like it all the time. Yeah. Right. And I have yeah. to tell my nervous system, Hey dude, you're going to be fine. We're going to get through this part. And I have to trust that, the, that my wife or my friends or my colleagues or my clients or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm, whoever I'm dealing with my kids um, are going to get their needs met. And I don't have to meet every one of their meet, uh, one of their needs. Yeah. We have, you talk about kids, same thing. We, she has two kids. I have two kids. Hers is four and nine, mine, seven and eight. Right. And she, she's an amazing mother. And I'm, I thought I was a pretty good father telling that her <laughs> and I, I'm that way trying to meet every need of the child all the time. What's wrong? You okay? What's going, you know, yeah. like that's really constantly. And, and that was because I reverted back to my childhood. My son is my twin as a child. Mm. Like he looks just like me. I have a twin mm. brother. So when I see my son, I feel like I'm a kid again, seeing him looking at oh, my wow. twin brother. And, and so I'm like really into that. And I'm, I'm triggered from my childhood being left alone all the time. And I'm trying to make sure that doesn't happen to him. And she's like, you're going to like ruin this guy. <laughs> like, you're going to ruin his kids. So Bluntly. I, backed off. Yeah, I backed off and I've seen a change in him yeah. becoming more independent and more self, self, I guess, um, supportive in a way, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's calmed me down too, you know, yeah. really calm. Big times. 
And that's, that's again, that. you know, I mean, without the right partner, we saw, we always talk about masculine feminine, like the, the, for, for us, we figured out the true feminine in her only came out when the true masculine was beside her. And then when the true masculine feminine was beside me, my true masculine came out. And so it was yeah. like this, we, like, I've never felt like this before, this, this much of a, of a man, whatever that means to whoever, but what it means to me, I've never felt this way before. And she's mm. uh, very powerful as a businesswoman, uh, owns, you know, a few companies and uh, is completely feminine. You know, so like the rarity, powerful woman, very feminine. And it's so that, that really gives me power as a man, really gives me power as a man. Hmm. It's interesting also to hear you speak uh, that you're sharing uh, concerns and fears and also at the same time, like more than you ever have, and also feeling more like an adult uh, than you ever have. Um, and I think that that is like, if I heard a friend or someone say that, it's like a green flag of, of that they're doing something right, or they're with a person that is is really compatible. Because I think one of the quickest ways to not feel like a, like a mature human would be to seem like afraid and not in a very yeah. and not in a way that what am i trying to say because i don't believe that um i don't believe that if you express express fear you're not an adult uh but certainly if you're this is what i'm trying to say if you're with someone who you can express fears to and still feel like an adult and even more so and they see you as that way too that sounds like a really compatible situation that's exactly what it is. And that's the first time in my life. Like before I couldn't show weakness because yeah. they, I couldn't yeah. show vulnerability because they there would see it as weakness. They would see it as weakness. There you go. But she allows me to do that and gives me the space to do that where it's actually a strength. Nice. Yeah. She yeah. Goes, I don't see you as weaker. I see you as stronger when you say stuff like this. Right. Wow. Me this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, let's do it then. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm going I'm... all in. And she's like, okay, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I brought but up. Really, I, I think not each man can tell about his weakness, weaknesses, weak points. And if he can tell, it's really for me, it's showing his strengths. Mm. He's enough strong to talk about this. He's yeah. enough self-confident to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Talk talk a little bit more about what um what I've heard described as the masculine feminine polarity right? Being fully masculine, fully feminine, how that helps. It's complementary to each other. My, I, I would say my wife and I are, are in the same camp and we've, and we've like, we've explored over the last 13, 14 years of our relationship into polar side, you know, polarity. That's what we're, we're trying to get to again right now. Um, um, more equalness. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that the way I want to, there's another word for it. Um, Integration balance. I don't know. No, uh, there's another word. It'll come to me in just a moment as we talk. But but I think what we've come back to is like the, there is there's a lot of magic, a lot of spark, a lot of health in the polarity, right? And, and stepping into our our full feminine, full masculine, and in an integrated way in ourself too, right? Because it's well, it's yeah. like you being fully masculine also means there's a there's a lot of vulnerability you're bringing in, and a lot of folks would call that feminine energy exactly. before. Listen, right. 
that's holistic. Well, you have the two fem you have the two energies, masculine and feminine. And I've been working with plant medicine for 17 years, ayahuasca and San Pedro. Ayahuasca is the feminine, San Pedro is the masculine, hmm. right? That, the, that's the plants of Mother Earth that are the feminine and, and, and masculine. It's all about that integration. It's like yin and yang, basically. We need both. You know, the male, the masculine is fix it, get it done now, quick response. The feminine is holistic discussion, right? Visions. And so man and woman talking as a man and a woman is going to have a hard, hard time because the guy wants to say, you know, it's, you see it, you know, my, the, the wife comes up and says, look, um, I want to talk about something You're like, what is it? I can fix it right now. Like, what do I need to do to fix this? And she's like, no, actually, I just want to talk about it because I don't really yeah. know yet, you know, and men are like, no, let's fix it. And so in order to uh, be able to have the patience to listen, you have to receive the feminine and she receives the masculine yeah. and actually receiving the feminine or her receiving the masculine makes us both more of who we are yeah masculine and more feminine i mean she's like the most feminine woman i've ever met it's so freaking sexy and beautiful and from the inside just glowing like that you know because i'm by her side right giving her that support giving her that the, i guess the masculine injection and the same thing for me i feel better than i've ever felt in my life because i have her hmm. her energy with me and 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 we are um like this and we we really are like that yeah I, i've never experienced anything anything like that's that's why i say the true masculine in me came out only when the true feminine was beside me and vice versa how does that dynamic go for you uh ron and then also for you olga i'm curious like how would you voice it you know yeah i think uh, you know there is a I mean, when you talked about that, that masculine need to fix things, I mean, I think that was such a strong part of my past. I was telling Daniel when uh, I was married before I got married and divorced by my, by my mid twenties, you know, and, and in therapy with my, at that time, I don't think I was in therapy with my ex-wife, but at that time, there was such a strong compulsion, you know, an action I'm not, I'm not really wanting to do, unable to stop it to fix things that my therapist had me hold a pillow as a representation for someone else's problems <laughs> and said, you can put that pillow down. Yeah. And I remember holding that pillow and like my whole body started to shake and, and, and it, it, that felt like powerlessness to put someone else's problem down. Yeah. Um, so I think that for me now, recognizing when my partner needs my fullness to show up recognizing when she needs to be in her fullness when she when she needs that space to do so recognizing that together there's an amplification that happens uh, especially as parents as partners um, also in the wild when we just show up you know wherever we're going or traveling or whatever it is allowing that to show up it's a subtle dance i think daniel you know you mentioned um on an episode or two ago about the the maybe maybe it was um with mila the ballet dancer also ukrainian um about leading and following in dance and there's this subtle shift in our torso and our hips and all those things the way you describe that feels like what a mm. relationship is aiming to be at sometimes yeah. it's great sometimes it's beautiful sometimes it's really wonderful sometimes we're stepping on each other's toes on accident a little choppy yeah. yeah, almost always it's not it's not intentional. Like it's very rare that it's an intentional deal. Yeah. How about for you, Olga? Um, you know, I I kind of 
think about what we're talking about. We're applying a gen- like a gendered me- metaphor to applying masculine and feminine to uh, the the psyche, you know. And what is the and and these powers of nature? There's the rigid, aggressive, um, uh, motive, highly motivated to change and impose that we call the masculine. But you could also break it down into just those words and then and then call some other ones and then look at it more as a spectrum there's other ways to look at it but i and i personally have no problem with the the metaphor of male and female and and um and it's very simple and and it fits our culture i'm curious olga what you think animals and people it's all masculine feminine plants are masculine feminine animals are masculine yeah that's the energies it's it's not the gender it's the it's the the energy is what yeah right Right. But do you and do you think I about start, it that way too? Yeah. Yeah. When I start to feel uh, Stephen is elevating me. Mm. So he from the beginning, he's showing to me what I didn't see in myself. So maybe it was it was always inside me. Like and he's elevating yeah. me about everything. He's telling to me, wow, you have such a beautiful body. Let's uh, buy you such kind of clothes. I want to see you are more, more beautiful. Let's take out clothes from you. You'll be more <laughs> sexy if it will be less clothes on you. Or, <laughs> or he's telling you are such a strong person in work. So he's elevating me. He's giving me this energy. And how it's make me feel, it's make me feel more strong, more beautiful, mm. more and uh, from this i'm given to him i'm like given this back to him my love my support my respect after this is first time in my life when a man told me let's go to shopping like <laughs> i want to wear you how i see you that yeah. you will see yourself more beautiful i think a lot of not elevating their women in one reason because they're afraid if they this woman will be so high elevated then this woman can leave them so if she'll Mm. think like she's so good so beautiful such a queen she will not need this man yeah that's Mm. why a lot of men not doing this but uh, real men who have self-confidence and who really love his woman and if this woman is really his partner, so she will just love him and respect him more in times after he's doing these things to her. And it's not elevation isn't putting on a pedestal. That's the, no, that's different. Yeah. Just so we know, we're mm, not like good differentiation. Like, yeah, no, it's completely different than that. It's completely different. And you know, I mean, Olga, Olga just bought a coal mine today. Congrats. <laughs> First time I've ever heard that sentence. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody buy a coal mine. <laughs> I mean, like, well, you know, look at the energy crisis we're having and, you know, and and so why not? It's a perfect yeah. opportunity. I was like, wow, what a great idea. And does she look like someone that would buy a coal mine? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you would never, never think that about her because she's just so feminine and, and so, so beautiful. But I'm the one, like, pushing her, like, do it. Like, this is awesome. Do it. And she just goes out and does it. Just goes out and does it. I, I, I said to her, if I had a company that needed running right now, I would put her in charge without even thinking about it. Hmm. Right? That's how much of a power that I feel inside of her. But she didn't know that. I mean, she probably knew it, but didn't realize it and and put it into play until I said, "You have that in you. I see it, so it's there. Use it." You know what I mean? It's it's pretty uh, pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, it's almost like there's there's a way that there's a place we can get ourselves to individually. 
that it can that we'll be very ready for the growth that someone else in our life promotes, you know? Yeah. Cause it, I'm, what I'm getting from you is that you both were or are in a place. And I know Ron and I talk, speak to this and value this, you know, the work one, a person can do on their own uh, is great. Um, at the same time, there seems to be maybe unless you're like seeking enlightenment in a cave, you know, for years, mm -hmm. there seems to be a limit to uh, what one can become and the potential that one can express alone, you know, I agree. and to have another person in your life that is the person who's also very ready and done that work and standing on their own two feet. That's one of the reasons just real quick. That's one of the reasons that, Though whenever I find that I'm falling in love and I use that term falling in love, I'm like, ooh, because I probably should be standing in love. You know, it's oh, got to well be said, man. Yeah. two, two yeah. feet well, on the it, ground. It's, it is. It's scary too, especially when you're really like head over heels. You know, yeah. Fall. Oh yeah. Cause then you get into like, a, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. You get into like, for me, like attachment styles. I don't know if you've read, gotten into that much, but that anxious attachment style, ambivalent attachment, you know, uh, avoidant. And it, it's, you know, like that stuff is real and how to not let that start those um, patterns and responses start to run the show is, yeah. is like very challenging to notice. Well, and, and that's the reason we talk about everything because I have patterns too. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, this is, I've been married twice before. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like I've had my issues and my triggers and my, my patterns and stuff. And that's why we decided to talk about everything so that we could nip it in the bud, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 To do, and to do that without that talking about everything becoming too much, you know, I've had, I had a, uh, a partner say that a person did that with them one time it was someone they were involved with romantically and it kind of fucked them like it was too much too fast you know because they hit this they didn't talk and they didn't share and then the person hit them with a big old yeah. download of like six months of fear you know? <laughs> and it just the blew her out of the water she couldn't do it she couldn't take it yeah know? but that doesn't sound like what you all are doing and that's kind of no. what i was curious about that yeah. sorry Ron. it take i think it takes a lot of subtle um a nuanced approach of, of understanding what our partner can handle. Yeah. And you guys have built, obviously you guys have built trust. Like I can handle the thing that you're dealing with. Give me the thing that you're dealing yeah, with. Let that, right. let that tiger out of the yeah, cage. I mean, and we're not subtle up either. We don't like just like throw it out there. Like, a, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Fish on the table or something. You know what I mean? It's like we, we take into account the other person's current situation, current yeah. ability to nice. talk about it. Isn't a time to talk about it, you know? That kind of thing. Should I let it go? Should I pick it up? And that kind of stuff. So, you know, we don't we don't jump on each other that way. Yeah. It reminds me that there was a partnership I had a couple of times ago where I got introduced to the idea of what you're saying. And it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life because this person and I decided to tell to if we have something we are afraid to share with the other person because of the way we think they're gonna react, get mad, reject us, dot dot mm -hmm. dot. We just agreed you know, let's just come to each other with it. And I promise I'll get you back. And so it was challenging, but like for, for, I remember doing that for the first time. And I was like, this is against my habit. This doesn't feel right. This is scary. And then they just caught me and it was just easy. It was like the opposite of what I had uh, expected. Mm -hmm. 
And then we beautiful? started repping. Yeah, man, it was amazing. Then we started like doing it over and over. And you, you just felt this sense of, oh, I'm okay. I'm always yeah. okay. Yeah. You know? And yeah. you feel you're motivated and you're, you're, it's part of your, it's part of your purpose now, part of my purpose now to do that for her, like to really support her. And it's like, I feel good when she feels good. I feel good when she feels beautiful. Right. When, when she, I mean, when the first time when I, I, you know, we went shopping together and I said, here, put this on, put this off. And she goes, I can't wear it. I mean, put it on. And she was like, yeah. no. she said, my God, I'm beautiful. Like no. <laughs> I, to hear that from someone who's beautiful uh, and they didn't know it or they knew it, yeah. but didn't yeah. realize it was pretty amazing. You know, and that, that just made me so happy. Like, yes, man, she sees herself That's how I see her, you know? Man, so, so. you know, not to, uh, not, I wouldn't be outing you, but to speak a little bit, Ron, to your, you know, Ron and his uh, partner, um, they uh, run a business called Romance and Adventure. And they run this business together that has addressed and spoken to and explored what, what we all have talking about today for, you know, almost 14 years now, I think it is. And, you know, he was just went on this uh, unexpected vacation, like they forgot that they had booked it. And my perspective, and and it like wasn't really seeming to come at the best time, but they'd already booked. They had to do it, and then I'm getting these texts and and uh, calls from him uh, uh, where it just it was exactly what they needed. And I didn't tell you this, Ron, but that was really cool to see that those four or five days that when you were out there, it was amazing to hear how alive, like you just met each other. You know that time yeah. was at least my perspective. You know what I think one of the secrets to it is. Um, it wasn't intentional, but the be the beginning of the re of the trip as we were headed down there, um, it was at the kind of resort where you're not allowed to have a phone. In fact, they give you a little bag um, to put your phone in and like seal it. They call it a phone sleeping bag, and it like sits on a little bed in your room. <laughs> and and there's pl huh. places all over the resort that you there's no electronics allowed whatsoever restaurants people are like looking at each other speaking with one another having conversations with the other tables it's great but we we had to do a little bit of offloading on the way down there and we had a flight mm. and a, then an hour-long drive of stuff that was on our hearts stuff that was bothering us stuff that we were afraid to bring into the into the weekend and some of it was also just like the um you know she asked me at the airport on the way i think we had a connecting flight She's like, what's on your mind? And I told her exactly what was on my mind. And it used to be that in my past, I would have self-edited it out. You know, I would have not said what was exactly on mm. my mind. But really? but we've but we have made that pact as well, which is like, there's nothing, if you're afraid of something and it's rolling around in your head, it doesn't need to live there. Yeah. It doesn't need to live in there. So we got all that stuff out and it, we got it out on the on the way down there. And by the time we literally checked in it was like this huge like we can rest in this space we can relax into this weekend and we really did it was it was beautiful it was probably the best romantic getaway we've had in a long long time hmm. it reminds me a little bit of our of the check-ins that uh we've been speaking to and valuing and and uh sharing with people ron where you know, if you just have someone in your, in your, like, this is probably journaling, you can check in with yourself and journal. Um, I, I'm not a big journaler at these days, but you know, it's something about that burning off the what's on your mind. So as to be able to go forward in your day or together with someone more present 
you know, and it's a shame that we have to do that. <clears throat> like, why can't we just think it out, you know, or, but uh, it seems like, um, you know, the energy and thoughts, you know, they just, it needs to get burned off and needs to get processed. It needs to get burned oh, off. And, and sometimes I think the way, the way that you guys are describing it is not just burned off, but reflected in a way to go, there's no power in the fear that you're dealing with, or the opposite mm. is that thing that you feel weak or afraid in is actually a, a powerful place in your life. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. I mean, that, it, it, everything can be made into the positive, everything, you know, if, even if it's like, like things that happen in your life that you think are tragic and they are tragic, but the outcome or what you make out of it is up to you. You know, it's, you can, like, I had a really good friend that died, um, business partner and friend. We, we were doing so much together. He was a really impressive guy. And, uh, man, I was like, I can't believe this guy just, just died. He like literally died in his sleep. And, uh, I was pretty, I was pretty hit. Uh, but then I turned it around really quick and the things that we had done and to be, to, to able to, and then made it a, a mission to accomplish what we started to finish mm -hmm. what we started. Tim, I turned it into a good thing and turned it into a great thing after that. Yeah. And so now, you know, when I do keynote speeches, I was at Mind Valley uh, in Tallinn. We went together and I was on the main stage and I spoke about it. I had a picture of him up there. You know what I mean? Like, like that's me turning that into something amazing because now I can honor him publicly. It's just, you know, yeah. anything in your life, we can turn it into something good. And I, and I know that sounds sort of holistic for a lot of people, but what other choice do we have? Yeah. Right. And this is the thing about it is people say, oh, it's unrealistic. And Okay, you want to be pissed off for the rest of your life? You want to be bad and mad for the rest of your life? You want to be upset? You know, whatever. No, why? We can change that. It's up to us. Yeah, that's The Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. You've heard of that book. Um, it's an amazing read. And um, that's that's the, in my mind, the pillar, one of the pillars of that, of that story and has become one of the pillars of my, the way I navigate life. And what I've heard, uh, which, which is essentially for, for listeners, is essentially that the buck stops with us, you know, like we get to decide, uh, we get to decide how to um, digest and create from what happens to us. And this came from a person who was experiencing Auschwitz, you know, so if, you know, this guy yeah. is experiencing things that are worse than any of us have, have probably experienced or even imagined can, can be like, oh, this isn't their fault. This is this is my responsibility, you know, and it wasn't attacked on like, let me just make something good to avoid the emotions. Yeah, no. Cause that's the other thing that I, that is frustrating. I think it get it a little bit in like what, what they term the woke community a little bit is people will say, well, you're just avoiding your emotions of your friend's death. And it's like, no, you go through the acceptance and the grief and that stuff. And that might take a long time or a short time. Yeah. But the point is at some point in time, it has been processed and now it's time. Now it's up to you to decide what this means. I right. think that's actually part of the processing is it, it, and part of the integration is to, is to decide what it means to you and to um, decide I, you have agency in it and that, that, that it, there is a gift in every, everything. My, I had a good friend. I'd, uh, I have a good friend I had coffee with yesterday Um and he went through one of the hardest things I could have ever imagined. And that is um, a child overdosing and dying. And, and I mm -hmm. met, I knew his child. They, they were in their early twenties. Uh, I had known her since she was a young teen, a uh, beautiful person, un, untapped, I mean, just unbelievable potential in their life. 
and and had everything going for them and had you know it was it was one of those tragic experiences where she got into a drug scene that um that got big real fast and took her life and as a father i can't imagine oh. much more in my world that would be more devastating than losing a child especially something like that because it feels so just brutal and and it's been uh i think a solid year since that's happened to him and he was telling me last night how he can now begin to see it as a gift in certain really? ways. Why? How? What was wow. some of his thoughts around that? Good question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the things was, uh, so this guy is a very, very, very successful fellow um, who spent a lot of years where his his life was career centric. Everything was about more success and more growth and more earning and all those things. And one of the things he said was like how shallow that is now to him, you know, and, and how presence oh, and how because presence, of what happened to this. Their child. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, good call. yeah. And wow. he says, that, he goes, it's, it, it's a painful gift, but it's, I, it, I'm receiving it. And I can't, imagine, I can't imagine a child. I mean, I had a friend, a really good buddy in Iraq die in my arms. Um, <laughs> as, as he was going, he looked at me and his look was like, in the first moment, it was bone crushing. It was like, holy shit, like I'm slipping away, dude, like do something. That's what I, my first impression oh, was. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't save him. Like I can't, you know? And uh, only later when I processed, started processing, accepting it and remembered what he was looking, his look in his eyes wasn't that. It was, dude, you, have, you now have a chance that I don't have, don't waste it. Hmm. And whenever I'm in a hard place or something's going on or whatever, I think of him looking at me. Wow. You know what I mean? And it just gives me like, yes, I'm going to do this, man. Yeah. You know, and so for that, me, that's, that's a model experience for me of how I turned something that was the worst thing I've ever experienced into something that's so powerful and yeah. so positive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. I appreciate you guys joining us. Thank you for coming, Olga. Thank you so much, man. All right. Really Take care, guys. Take care. Bye, Olga. Bye. Okay, welcome to the field dressing, everybody. Yep. Stephen yeah, that Kuhn was and his, and his surprise guest, Olga. Olga, Olga. Yeah, that was interesting. That was surprising, unexpected, and a little bit. I'm not. I don't understand why. <laughs> I would have liked to have been given a heads up a little bit. Well, it was okay. I hear you. I totally, yeah. completely agree. Also she speaks really well. Like she voices what she's oh, trying to say surprisingly totally. well. And I only yeah. say surprisingly because we've had a couple of guests on from Eastern Europe and they didn't really, they, they clearly were not totally comfortable speaking what was obviously like, you could tell they had something to say and they're obviously yeah. intelligent and, and open and articulate, but they couldn't really, um, you know, we were, we were struggling a little bit with trying to get the conversation going and I was like, when, when I asked her a question, she was like, boom. And I was like, oh, yeah. fuck yeah, man. Like she knows yeah. how to talk. <laughs> Fired into it. It was good. It was good. You know, I think what, what one thing is important is, is there in a stage of the relationship that, that the, it's really important for them to want to share everything that's going on through their head. Yeah. And, and we didn't have enough time to get into the, 
ins and outs of that. I think you and I wouldn't totally agree with that. And maybe that's just our stage of our relationships romantically. I, I'll speak for myself. Like that's, that's a no go for me anymore. I used to think that was a, a something I had to do. And, and I think it was a disservice for me in the long run. I, and I can't, you know, I can't get it in their minds. I don't know what they're thinking. Like, I don't want to. No, I think that's really respectful to, to say that last part, because this might be great for them. Exactly. People are different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's certain, I've been around men, whether they've been my clients or they've been in friends and, and, and found out that their wife knew almost nothing about them, you know? And it's like, Mm. how are you in relationship? Mm. Like, like what's the. And was it working? No, it wasn't working. It was like starting to disintegrate over time, you know? And the, and the leap from not being known to wanting to be known was such a huge chasm for them. So, you know, it could be that with these guys, they both have come out of relationships like that. And it's like, man, I need to, I need to be known. I need to be known. I need to know you. Um, But for me in my world right now, you know, there's actually a lot of attraction, sexiness and the mystery with one another. And and letting some of that out at certain times, you know, I think that's one thing I didn't get into is, is in that, in our, you know, the trip with my wife and I, like some of, some of what the reason why it was sexy was because we were like sharing some of the parts of us, um, that we hadn't let out and it was around sexual fantasy and, and that kind of exciting titillating experience. And some of it also cool. was realizing that we didn't have to share everything going through our mind. And that was around just the the rigmarole of life, right? What like, if you, what if you combined those two things and that part of getting freaky was during the act of getting really freaky and down your, your worst fears, you speaking the worst fears, <laughs> you know, but it's like really erotic to the other person. She's like, tell me more, tell me your worst that fears. A, that's a specific kink. I'm sure it exists. <laughs> sure it does. Sure it does. There sure. is a, there is a niche for that, <laughs> that kink out there. <laughs> I didn't mean, I'm sorry to have cut you off, but I couldn't, couldn't help that sharing that fantasy. <laughs> That's your fantasy. It's not, it. that, I, that is, it, I, I would never, that would never be my kink, but you know, <laughs> that it, it, you said something, I think in the last week you shared, you were sharing a little bit around, around your relationship, Yeah, something that was up in it. And you told me that this thing, this topic of conversation, uh, when it comes up for, uh, your for your wife, you said to her, I, you have made an agreement. You said, I don't want to know about this. And yeah. it wasn't like a denying thing. You said, this is yours. I trust that you're working through it, yep. but I, but for my mental health, I need to not. And I knew that that topic was actually a triggering topic to you. And by that, I mean, it's something that you would want to know so you could control. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that you could let go of control of that and trust her to manage that. And you even said, you know, I would prefer like your, you speak to your friends about this, you know, and please do. I was like, how fucking healthy. Now that's the opposite of what they just expressed. Yeah. But again, I, I, and I really believe this. It's very easy to say, you guys probably sharing way too much, <laughs> but, but yeah. people are different, man. They are and yeah. culturally. And, and maybe that's perfect for them. I really believe that. That would not be perfect for me and obviously not for you either. Yeah. And I and for and not for everybody. And for very good reasons, because because it can burden another person with with uh worry and stress and at just effort and bandwidth that is totally. not 
they don't have. Yeah. And that was the biggest reason for me. Thank you for bringing that up. I, that was, that felt like a big move for our relationship. You know, oh, yeah. We're, we're almost a decade and a half into this, yeah. you know, my brain, my brain, because of how many times my parents have been married and divorced, my brain was always on high alert for like, Oh, this is the time we're going to break up. This is the time yeah. we're going to divorce. And and I realized one of the most secure things I had ever done was doing exactly what you just described, which was like, hey, there's certain things going on in your life that I don't need to be a part of. I need you to get support around it, talk to your friends, talk to your therapist around it, but I, that's not what I need to carry. I've got too much on my plate and I've got enough on my own, I should say. I've got enough on my own. And, and she agreed and she was like, oh, I hear what you're saying. And and also, she was only ever coming from a place of just trying to be transparent. It wasn't like right. she was trying to yeah. work it out with me. She was, I, I think it came from a good, kind, loving place of transparency from her. Yeah. And and um, and, the, and we found a, a, a great balance in it. You know, we, and, and we also have all the support. Like we do have friends, we do have therapists, we do have coaches that are that are in our life helping us move through those things. So we've got a lot of support and- and I know that not everybody does, but we've had to work really, really hard to get all those things in place. Yeah, it's boundary setting, right? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, you want to take all the boundaries down. You want both of your worlds to crash into each other and mix in all the ways. Yeah. And if you're afraid of anything, you, you're going to grasp at other aspects to hold, hold those close. You're going to protect. There's all kinds of crazy shit that happens to the brain yeah. and the psyche, chemically, psychologically, and somatically, the body, you know, where... The beginning of a relationship is a very interesting time and and not to say that interesting time stops um but there's it a changes lot of for sure the 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 dynamic of the relationship will change yeah and, and it's okay i think okay let's explore potentially that it's okay to have fewer boundaries in the beginning if you yeah. can trust your ability to put those boundaries up safely and securely and responsibly as time goes on you know, there's a little give and take, right? But what I've noticed as as a, someone who has in the past attached anxiously with certain people and in the deeper past has attached avoidantly and pushed people away, yeah, same. it's like I have to be really careful with what I share, how I share it, the time that I spend with somebody, the, the space I share with somebody. And it is, it's very tempting and I've done this, slam your lives together, you know? Let's let's live together, or maybe not let's live together, but life is giving us the opportunity to live together yeah. pretty pretty quickly. And you just say no, and then you're so you be careful of your of your space that you share, you know, the time that you share, and then what you're sharing in those times and, and spaces. It's very important. And and my therapist gave me this uh, the great piece of advice around that because uh, I was like, you know, I have this new thing going on, you know, and and she goes, she goes, she goes, spend less time than you want to. With this person and i was like yeah. no in my head i'm like uh -uh. <laughs> <laughs> and in my head i was also like yeah good call and, and yeah. that has been something that's been on my brain yeah for sure so that was an interesting combo man that was surprising interesting and a little bit uncomfortable um just because you know any two people falling in love you know standing in love two people in love in their own way that's an intense thing to be around yeah it it, it really is and I, it kind of makes me wonder how uncomfortable i made people in my past <laughs> while being deeply in love really? you know yeah i think so i think so i don't, I don't want to get into i know you got to run here but but um you know 
I'm sure there was red flags in my life that people on the outside were like, Whoa, yeah, Whoa. you've done that with me. Cause I've fallen in love a couple of times knowing you in the last couple of years and, and uh, you were very supportive through them. But then later after one, one of those turned went a little pear shaped, you were like, yeah, I was a little, you know, the writing was on the wall pretty quick, man. And I want to say to you, like, please be a friend, you know, like you, you like pulled some hair or something out of my ear the other day. You were like, <laughs> I'm going to be a friend. And it turned out I had like inch long hair out of a really, you know, not very graceful, pleasant part of my ear, you know? And I was like, fuck yeah, thank you. Well, like if you see any romantic hairs growing out of your friend Daniel's life, like yank those fuckers out. <laughs> heard, heard, man. Thanks for today, dude. I can't wait for our next one. 